Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Filmmaking Sucks podcast. Where we tell you about all the mistakes you can make when producing a feature film on your own and how to avoid them. And I'm your host, Manny. And I'm Lindsay. And, and that's about it. That's our intro. Yeah, that's the <laughs> intro. Um, so we have a very special, special episode for you guys. This is our first ever guest interview on the well, podcast. Not really. No, we've had We've Loren. had guests. We had Loren here. Um, no, once. we had guests, but not like a guest in. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we had Loren. <laughs> okay, we have another guest for you. How's that sound? <laughs> We're bringing in another person. Yes. Uh, this is uh, writer, director, editor, Joe Joe Bait I said it again. Badon. Joe Badon. <laughs> He's probably probably gonna get corrected fifty different times. That's fine. <laughs> Say <Sure>. hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. I guess I should correct it. It's probably uh assistant editor might be a better okay. Okay. word for what I'm doing. So yeah. But technically we have uh Joe uh Joseph Estrade is my editor and I'm kind of just sitting there, you know, asking questions and going, Oh, that looks great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. That works. <laughs> that works. So yeah, yeah. this is an editor yeah. director. That's that's sort of the role. Mm-hmm. That works. Right. Yeah. So tell us about yourself, Joe, and your project. How's that sound? Yeah, How sure. are you introduced it? <laughs> um, I am uh, actually what my day job is as I'm an illustrator, and um, I did a, a lot of storyboards uh, for movies and commercials. I did that for a long time, and comic. I did comic books for a long time. I did that for about ten years. And now I uh, I sell pop art illustrations. That's what I mainly do now, and uh, I do that full time uh, out on the out on the streets of New Orleans. So nice, very cool. And so you know, I've always been like just a, a film geek and a cinephile, and so uh, I've been wanting to 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 make a movie for years. And uh, so what I did was uh, saved up money. I saved up about eight thousand dollars. And uh, which isn't much, but you know, I always look at like things like uh, Robert Rodriguez's first film, or or mm. like Primer or something like that. Like, yeah. hey, they did it for seven. I can do this, you know. <laughs> and they were buying they were buying film stock back then. Gosh. So I'm, not, you know, this is all video now, so it's even better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, um, so, so, um, so, yeah. so yeah, I wrote a film. Uh, this film that got inside my ear. And I wrote it last year, about a year ago, and then just started getting, you know, all the components together, cast and crew. And, and we just, uh, we wrapped on filming uh, about three months ago or four months ago. Nice. And we're we're in the process of editing. We're, we're about, uh, three quarters of the way done editing. So. Wow. Very cool. So where did you get the, uh, like, where did the idea for this, where was the, the seedling of this? Where did it start? The, the, the plot and the script for this. Sure. Um, you know, it's like, I guess I, I take the uh, Quentin Tarantino approach where I kind of just get my inspiration from other movies and just kind of mix them together. And so I think the, the, the seedling for this idea came from a movie called Carnival of Souls from the 60s. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. And I love how... It was made on a low budget. The guys just saved up their money and made it. And it's some—it's the filmmaker's only film. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, he mainly did educational films before that, so he had experience filmmaking. But um, and I just love it. It's a very like guerrilla type filmmaking, very like you know outside of Hollywood. And those are kind of my favorite films. You know that kind of idea where where they still make a good film even though they're making outside of Hollywood. So the plot kind of was inspired by that plot. Okay. And then I took I took parts from other films that I love like uh Miss 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, that's an Abel Abel yeah. Ferrara film from way yeah. back in the day. Nice. Um also um oh shoot. What's that movie? My brain's going blank now. That always happens. Uh, I know. Right, you get put on I the know. spot. <laughs> it's an old Ka- Catherine Deneuve film. It's a horror film, but I can't remember the name of it now. Anyway, uh, there's a there's probably a handful of films. Eraserhead's one of them. Mm. Okay. Um, oh, oh, Repulsion. That's the one I'm thinking there you of. Go. Repulsion. Oh, the Polanski Repulsion. Got yes, exactly, exactly. And also, there's this one film that really kicked off me writing the story. Was this movie called Essex Space Bin? And that movie came out a couple years ago, and it's just just this really weird, off the wall like sci-fi comedy, like just weird film that these guys just made, you know, guerrilla filmmaking style. And it was put out by Troma, but it's not Troma esque at all. It's just it's just a weird film, and I love weird films. Like I'm always trying to find the weirdest film possible. <laughs> you know, that's like that's like my quest, and so. Uh, so I just was inspired by these guys because they some of it they shot on uh, you know uh, thirty eight millimeter some of them they some of it they shot on video some of it they shot with their with with their phones mm-hmm. and, yeah. and and they mixed it together to make this really wild wildly edited weird film that it, I just absolutely love I love the energy of it and so that movie after I watched that movie I started writing my script nice and, uh, very cool so. Anthony Curry's doing that. Another friend of ours, also a filmmaker, um, he did his his feature right now. He's shooting on 16 millimeter on DSLR. Some of it's on a cell phone. Some of it's on like a Sony Handycam. He's got like four different yeah. formats, and he's editing it all together. That's so interesting. That's really, it adds yeah, a lot think, of different like like layers and textures almost. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, totally, totally. And I think I think that's incredible. I think what we can do now with technology, we can just make a film with whatever we have hmm. and then the way they edited it it was just so frantic yeah um I, I loved their frantic editing style another movie that i i was kind of like brought into the editing room with me was a, a movie called the trip it was a roger corman film from the 60s okay. and it was it kind of came out a couple of years before easy rider and it's kind of where Easy Rider got a lot of their inspiration because there's a lot of the same cast hmm. and a lot of the same writers on the trip than did Easy Rider. And so, and actually, I like it more than Easy Rider. I think it's got a cooler flow. I think it's got it's got a lot more in- interesting ideas. So, uh, so anyway, kind of bringing in all these weird ideas. I love weird and art house films and stuff like that. But I love like taking all these weird ideas and then trying to make them palatable. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how Twin, like Twin Peaks, was is a perfect example of taking like art house cinema and and bringing it to the masses. Oh, absolutely! And oh, yeah. so, uh, oh, absolutely. you know, absolutely. So that's kind of like what I what I'm trying to do with this. You know. Cool. Okay, so when you were writing the script, did you ge- kind of gear well, it towards a low budget? Well, hang on. Before we even get there. Okay. 
Sure. What is this movie about? Give us a synopsis of the plot so we know what we're okay. talking about, your genre, all that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So genre, I would call it a psychological thriller, like if you want to just give it one genre. Okay. Um, but, but also a lot of surrealism. There's a lot of comedy in it. Uh, there's some horror elements. So, so it kind of just, you know, it, I try to make it an undefinable genre in a lot of ways. But um, uh, the, the, the basic plot, the synopsis is um, it all revolves around this character named Elysia. And she experiences this like very quick, sudden breakup with her boyfriend who decides to, to go uh, leave her to join a cult. And um, wow. right after this breakup, all of a sudden her world kind of flips upside down. And she starts having all these visions and dreams and uh, like things like inanimate objects start speaking to her and she's just, she's going out of her mind, but she, her friends think she's going out of her mind, but she feels like there's something more to this. And she's basically on a mission to try to figure out what it means, what all these messages she's receiving means. And so that's kind of the plot. It sounds very, um, I, I I see the eraser head. I see I see some naked lunch in there too. Oh, I love naked lunch. Yeah, yeah totally. That's like one of my favorite Cronenberg right? films. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you the saying? The unfilmable naked lunch, right? If anybody's going to do yeah. it, you know. <laughs> totally, totally. So go ahead. Then. So yeah, you know there was um for eraser head. There is this idea where there's this guy that lives like on the moon or somewhere who like pulls these levers yeah. throughout the movie, mm, and so, and so I kind of in, incorporated that into the God inside my ear, where there's there's these guys with gas masks and they're in this control room and they're pressing buttons and pulling levers and they're speaking to her, and so she, you know she's trying to figure out what all that means. So okay, very cool. Cool. Yeah. So now when you were writing the script, were you gearing it towards sort of a low-budget production? Were you going in, like, kind of not reaching for the stars, but kind of limiting yourself to what you could film? Absolutely. Well, so what I did was I wanted to make this look like a huge film. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I live right outside New Orleans, and there was a lot of movies being filmed down here for a while. And the great thing about that was, is in my town, Slidell, uh, there there was a movie set that that got set up for movies, and it had like all sorts of little movie sets inside of this warehouse. Oh, like a studio, like a like, a, like an actual yes. working studio. Okay, like a little sound studio. So they had like a little hospital. They had a oh wow sci fi control room. They had um, Kaufman Studios like, a, like that. A, yeah. Yeah, they had like a gypsy tent and all sorts of things. Mm. And uh, so I walked through there and I took note of everything they had. And then I wrote the script kind of around those different locations. That's very Rodriguez. Um, Very very Rodriguez, Rodriguez, yeah. It's like exactly what he did for uh, for El Mariachi. uh, I know when he did his, he was working. It wasn't working, but he was a – he volunteered himself for – medical experiment uh they were testing oh, some yeah, sort of drug, drug testing, and yeah. it was and it was going to pay him seven thousand dollars so in the right. six or eight weeks or maybe you know however long it was that he was in there he took the time while because he had to be secluded so he had to stay there yeah. and um 
and he wrote the script there and he had his friends who were going to work on the film with him send him pictures of the locations and he wrote those into the script just like that so yeah nice. total, totally awesome way the, to do it yeah, yeah totally <laughs> on the rodriguez route so now the sound yeah, stage totally. did, did you know somebody who who worked there how did you kind of get get into that venue yeah they were they're kind of friends of the family so I was able to I was able to get a, a decent deal, at least get some sort of a you know, work out a deal with them. Um and so that helped out a lot. And oh, yeah, now sure. I did right outside of that location, I did other locations as well. But like I tried to use all those locations inside the warehouse just to up the production value oh, yeah. of the entire movie, you know. How many um how many uh, out of how, how many locations did you have in total? Pro, you know, if you have a, if you in know the total. count. Yeah, we had. Let's see, we had the warehouse. We had a restaurant and bar that mm-hmm. were one, uh, but they were like two separate buildings. So, but they were the same owner. We had a department store that we that we found that were. There was like a little mom and pop department store that you know was they were graciously let us use. Oh, uh, very we cool. had two. Two different uh, friends' apartments and houses mm-hmm. at my house, and you know various streets, mm-hmm. and I guess that was about it. Maybe between eight and ten, probably about ten locations altogether. Um, okay, but of course the of course the warehouse ended up making it more like fifteen locations. Okay, so how how much of the of the final film was done in the warehouse versus actual locations then? About thirty percent in the warehouse. Okay. Um, so a lot of it, uh, I'd say, a good chunk was actually in the main character's apartment. Uh, so because there was a lot of her just kind of going crazy. Yeah. Inside the apartment. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Um. So now we had these locations. Here's number one question: Insurance. Did you yeah. have to get insurance for any of these locations? I did not get insurance for anything, and I'm sure, you know, I should have. But no, I was like, there's no way I can afford all this. So insurance just fell by the wayside. Okay, and so uh, so then that brings uh, the warehouse. So then it was literally just, well, they know you, so it's yeah. cool, right? Because uh, I would assume that normally yeah. in that type of thing, you wouldn't, they, they would not even let you on, uh, let you even walk in the door to shoot unless you have some level of, of insurance or something. So that's more, right, more right. on the favors route. That's very true. And also, we did it to where it was basically, I, we filmed a lot while they were open because they kind of do other things. They do. So yeah, you were using one stage, and the other stages were still they were still able to rent those out and and have people yeah. paying people in. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. So we were we were just kind of getting what we could, you know. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, so uh, did you uh, did you actually have did you have to pay for any of the of the warehouse? Or again, was that still? Yeah, just there some... was still like there was still payment involved. And there was still kind of like, uh, but okay. it was it wasn't as bad as what. Yeah. Maybe other people just because, you know, yeah, exactly. Good deal yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so. How many days were you in the uh did you spend in the warehouse? We did three days there. We did fourteen days total. Okay. Okay. That's not bad at all then. Yeah. No. No. Not at all. It was hot as hell. We shot <laughs> oh, in the sure. middle in the in the middle of January in New in the New Orleans area, so it was 
That was the one thing I will never do again is shoot. In, I mean, in the middle of July. I'm sorry. I was middle say, of July. I didn't realize it was, it was that warm in New Orleans. You've never been there. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty warm, but January is better. Yeah, but yeah no, middle of July in, in, in New Orleans, it was bad. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. We started shooting, we started shooting ours in December, and uh, we ended up shooting some into... Um, like uh, most of the stuff was done by the spring, but we had two or three scenes we had to do over the summer. Uh, so yeah. we had to actually match our exterior colors <laughs> to match oh, man. The, winter. <laughs> the winter stuff. So we kind of blewed everything yeah. out. Did you have to go through anything like that? No, no, definitely not. Especially because we didn't do a lot of uh, exterior shots. Smart. Smart. Yeah, very smart. <laughs> keep it indoors. Keep it controlled. <laughs> we we tried to keep it as much indoors as possible, especially just sound and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Okay. So as now I'm curious now, as an illustrator and storyboard guy, what was your pre-production right. process like? Were, did, were you, cause, did oh, you story, storyboard the whole thing out for yourself? the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. I storyboarded the entire film. Mm-hmm. So you were knew what you were going to going for the minute you walked in. Before you even got there, you knew what you were looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, we we did a meeting with the whole crew and went through every board and just uh, made sure everybody was on the same page there. We call it, talked about color schemes for for each scene and talked about the way some shots might work, some t- shots might not. And so we made sure we talked about all that beforehand. So. so how did your, um, uh, as far as camera crew, who, who ran cameras, how many people, and how did they, uh, how early were they brought on in this pre-production, as, you know, timing, rather? Yeah, I wrote the script and then started looking for crew, and I found this amazing DP named Daniel Waghorn. Okay. And he, he brought his crew with him, everybody that he works with. So... Uh, Joseph Estrade, who also is the editor, he worked as assistant cameraman, and we had a couple gaffers, um, Jason Krupa and uh, Alex Marino, and would be basically and, and Christian Waghorn, his uh, Daniel's brother, worked uh, Boom Mike. We had a couple other people. We ended up having like about three to four people on the crew side every day, so okay. it was a real slim yeah. little crew that. As far as ran camera and, and lights and everything, I did have uh, um, a makeup artist that did hair as well every day. And then I had an, a production assistant, one production assistant, and one uh, AD. Uh, and so the AD and the production assistant, if I wouldn't have had them, I wouldn't have been able to make the movie. I though. love hearing that. Because they basically <laughs> just, yeah, they basically just helped me do everything else, you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I usually work as an AD for for most of our productions and a lot of the productions out here in you know in New York and New Jersey. So I love when people throw yeah. a little love towards an AD. <laughs> so now, does your AD do a oh. lot of the production management stuff for you? AD mainly just sat there with the book open. Yeah. And yeah. just was like, all right, we need to get the rest of these shots done, and we have this much time. And that, I mean, basically, she just made sure. And we got every shot that I had storyboarded for that day. Right. Completed. So who so, did the, uh, the yeah, budget I, schedule? Was that you? Yeah. Okay. I did the scheduling. Uh, me and my wife get the, got the wardrobes together. Mm-hmm. 
um, I I got all the props together, and and I brought the food every day. <laughs> so it was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that's usually how it is. I mean, we're always doing the same thing, <laughs> running around getting food and getting wardrobe props, and yeah. by, the, by the end of the production, yeah. I have everybody's sizes memorized. <laughs> well, that that brings it to the, the right. little thing. The little thing there. Then um, when, when you say you brought food, did you? Um, did you have food like made or did you make it yourself? And like, did you cook your, cook the food and bring it in in trays or? Uh, <laughs> the plan was to cook it myself. And then once we started doing it, it was like, Oh hell no, that's not going to work. Yep. So I, I ended up probably spending $1,500 more on food because oh, God. we ended up spending 4,000 on food. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Wow. So and like half the budget. Half the budget. You know what though? I mean, if, if you're going to spend it somewhere, then feeding your people, I think that goes a whole lot farther than people realize. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. 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 Totally. You know? Well, so what I, I did was I found this one uh, grocery store in town that had like did pre- prepared food every day and you could just go pick it up in the, in the trays and everything. So we got, we had sushi, pizza, sandwiches for lunch and dinner every day that we shot. shot. And then we did like donuts and muffins and yogurt and mm-hmm. fruits and vegetables. And then we did coffee and Gatorades and, you know, sodas. So, you know, we tried to keep it like, Everybody have we didn't shoot like consecutively, so we basically did fourteen days over the course of about a month and a half. So okay. basically, people weren't going to get sick of the same thing every day because <laughs> you know they were just shooting two or three days a week. Yeah, basically. Were you shooting mostly weekends? Um, actually, I think most of it was during the week, um, <laughs> and because I sell art in New Orleans, yeah, uh, it's okay. my full time job. And that the weekends are kind of like my bread and butter times. Gotcha. Gotcha. And this it was like the only way that I could afford it was for me to still work. So, so uh, yeah, we did it usually like uh, Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays were were the days we worked. And fortunately, everybody that was working could make those days. And you know, it was mainly because we shot in July, and so all the crew didn't have anything to do for the for july because it's like a totally dead season in new orleans for oh, movies and, and stuff so. it's just too hot <laughs> it's just yeah it's just too hot so hey i decided to shoot at that time it'd be great that makes sense then so, so you went in you went in with a plan saying okay well everybody seems to be free at this time so let's just get it all done and bang it out in right. a couple of weeks, right? It's, it's like the literal opposite of what we did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we did, uh, for our new one, we did about 14 days over like nine months or so. On the weekends, And yeah. it came out to like right. every other weekend or every every third weekend or so. You know, so we do sometimes See, be I would one be Saturday so scared and- that I'd never finish it that way. <laughs> you know, I'd, I would be like, I'd feel like I'd run out of steam. Like yeah. I know I, it's once hard. I start doing something, I have to do it as quick as possible. Yeah. You know? I hear you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's hard yeah. doing that. Way it's very that. hard to do it that way. But yeah, we, we're unfortunately in a position where a lot of the people we went, we work with, um, they work full-time jobs. So weekends are pretty much right. <laughs> totally. So, totally. and, and, and you know, I have our... this weird fear that 
someone's going to get in a car accident or somebody, somebody, <laughs> something terrible is going to happen to somebody. Yeah. And then yeah. it's just going to be yeah, like, you know, I have to do a bunch of reshoots yeah, or something. Yeah, you'll have three days terrible. left. It's been six yeah. months. you got three days left and somebody, something happens and yeah. fuck, we lost it all. Yes. Yeah. We've been very lucky. Knock yeah, on totally. Wood. I think the worst, lots of people have gotten haircuts. I think oh, that's, man. that's been our <laughs> problem. Really, yeah, that's really tough working with actresses, specifically actresses, yeah. because they sure. because for different roles they have to dye their hair or cut their hair, you know, or something. Yeah. You know, you, I don't find that much with actors. Well, we have facial we, hair problems uh, with actors. Yeah, that generally <laughs> becomes facial hair problems, especially <laughs> right. especially actors right. in theater. Yeah. That they they want them a lot of the time they want them to be very clean shaven. So if I want a, an alcohol alcoholic he does an alcoholic doesn't look like an alcoholic if he's very clean shaven all yeah. the time you know he's baby face right. that doesn't really work <laughs> so we end up having to work around that but yeah we've had a couple actresses that had to cut their hair or co or, or, or dye it differently and then we have to correct it in post or light them differently or shoot them a oh, certain man. way and oh man it's a yeah. nightmare sometimes so very very yeah. smart getting it done as quickly as possible yes, very smart <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, 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 so while we're on the subject of actors, uh, how did you find your actors? Are these mostly friends or did you do casting calls or, uh, posting on Facebook? How did you get your, your main actors? Yeah. Well, so working out at the, at the art markets in New Orleans, there's tons of actors out there because mm. like so many people that are artists are also actors, musicians, all that sort of stuff. Right. So my first, my first thing I did was just ask everybody uh, that I knew, all my artist friends. And, um, and so I got quite a few really cool people that way. And actually my main actress was a friend of one of the people out at the market. They said, well, why don't you try out my friend Linnea? And so Linnea Gregg. And so um, I contacted her. And I sent her the script, and uh, you know, I basically just what I did for everybody was I just had everybody do video uh, auditions, okay. and uh, that way I didn't have to travel around and try to meet up and try to rent a room and all that sort of shit. So, uh, you know, I think I auditioned about five actresses for the main title role, and Linnea just brought me to tears. So I was like, huh. okay, huh. yeah. That she she works. She's perfect, especially because nice. I wrote the script. Um, I wrote the dialogue as off the wall as I could. You know, um, uh, Repo Man was a big influence for a lot of the dialogue. Also, oh, a movie wow. called Spanish Prisoner, which is David Mamet, mm -hmm. and everybody talks real robotic in that movie, and they have a lot of like repeating phrases. And so, I was using dialogue uh, references from really strange, quirky dialogue movies. And so I sent all the actresses like the hardest piece, like this long monologue that was a really strange piece about breaking up with her boyfriend and it being like a ma magician who has like taken the tablecloth out from underneath a, you know, a table full of food. And, uh, but, but the boyfriend wasn't like that. The food went everywhere. And it's a, it's just a very <laughs> weird piece of monologue. And she said it like, like there was nothing weird about it. She said it like, like she really believed those words. And I was like, oh shit, this is it. Yeah. She's got it. You know, so. Well, that's smart. I mean, seeing if they can actually get the vibe of the movie on their own. is yeah, really super smart. Totally. Totally. You know, and also like, if you find actors that just already get it, you don't have to direct them. 
Yeah. Like they already know it, you know? And like when I, we did table, we did two table reads with all the actors. And the first one, after the first table read, Linnea came up to me and she had written this long backstory about her character and how her character relates to all the other characters. And she had gotten like, she, she lived this character. Mm -hmm. And so I never, I never had to correct her like on set. She, she was perfect. It was, it was incredible. So I think just finding talent and, and just letting them do their thing, you know, Steven Spielberg, one thing he does which I'm not a great fan of his, but I think he's professional uh, mm. beyond anybody oh, yeah. else probably in the industry. Yeah. But um, he... he well, um, I might be he, devastated uh, if he's not. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, right. Well, Imagine Spielberg, that. Well, I was just going to say, Steven Spielberg doesn't actually uh, give the actors any notes until after the third right. uh, take. Okay. And so... See what they're going to do first and... Yeah. Yeah, see how they're going to flesh it out first. Because, you know, if you are giving the actors too many directions, they're going to second-guess themselves, and they're not going to perform up to their best quality. You know? Well, I think that's... Uh, yeah, we've known a lot of directors who have some problems where they just want an, like, an actor to be a dancing monkey and just do exactly what they tell them yes. to do and stay right on script and, you know, not really put a lot of their own input into the characters. And I just yeah. think that's a crazy way to work, personally. And I think, I think too, on top of that, totally. if, if, like, especially at this level, how much experience do you really have that your vision is so perfect yeah. right off the bat. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. I, I think when you exactly, hit, yeah, when you hit the level of like a Kubrick or a Spielberg, yeah, you can walk on and say, no, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that because you just, you've got 30, 40 years under you. You know what? I know what I'm doing. But funnily and enough, neither what, of them but do they, that. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the thing. They don't do that. They just let them, they do exactly that. They let the actors be actors and do their job. You know, because well, otherwise... Kubrick, like, Kubrick right. breaks you down until you're no longer an actor or a person. You're just a puddle of... That's why human. he always has different actors in every movie. Because yeah. you know, you know I'm sure they never want to work with him again. Oh, I'm sure. Exactly. You know, But you know what the thing is with that, though? He's got, you know, 56 takes of everything he's got it in every possible yes. way imaginable they've done it they've run yes. the gamut on every scene so it's like an edit he can do anything with the with each character yeah. he can just decide, yeah. you, know, and, 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 you know and and yeah. and yeah i mean that's yeah that's, who's, who's got the money and time to do that though <laughs> well that's the thing well and it, also with anybody you know, everybody's that, working like like my my cast and crew mainly did volu- did this all volunteer and so you can't be like too incredibly like picky. You have oh, to, absolutely. you have to have a collaboration, a spirit behind what you're doing. Well, I mean, I feel like you know this is a collaborative art form, and I think that some people just kind of lose sight of, you know, what when a person brings something like a certain energy or an insight into something that can only make the project better. Right. You know, your job as a director is to kind of channel their insights mm-hmm. and to kind of lead right. them to those insights on yeah. their own or the insights that you want them to find. But it's also to like kind of hear out whatever insight they have that may be a slightly yeah. different than your vision and then actually like incorporate it. And I feel like, totally. you know, people who don't take advantage of that are just missing yeah. out. It's like when you um when you go 
when you finally move past the point where you're using just your friends, because everybody starts out at when you're doing your short films, you got a bunch of your friends. They're not actually actors. They're just willing to help you out. So that's where you kind of get specific because they really don't know how to be actors and they don't know how to really create a character. So I think you end up being very specific with them off the you know, because, you know, but. As you as you grow, you realize that you have to remember too. This is an, a, a thing that they are. You chose them for this role yes. because you felt they did. They they could fit the role. So constantly adjusting and changing what they do. It's like, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you just get an actor who could do what you wanted them to do in the first place? Obviously, if you're changing them for every uh, constantly adjusting, yep, adjusting, adjusting, sure. obviously, then they're not yeah, the right person right, exactly. for this role, and you just cast yeah, sure. wrong. So, but uh, yeah. so let's let's move into uh, actual production. Yeah, let's move into your shooting right. days. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you said you had 14 shooting days, right? right. Uh, over six weeks. Yeah, a month and a half. A month and a half. Yeah, six seven weeks approximately. Mm. Yeah. So now, how long were your shooting days? Do you think approximately? Approximately, we're not looking for exact numbers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, some days they were actually. I mean, it's between thirteen and fourteen days because we had a couple days that were only like three or four hours. So, and then we had most of the most of the days were like between eight and ten. So I'd say average nine hours a day. Okay. And that's uh, so, that's like from setup to breakdown as well, or is that um, shooting? Yeah, that's setup, gotcha. setup to breakdown. Full day. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, it. You had we yeah, talked about your camera crew. One thing, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know what, you know, one thing we did was we didn't do more than two takes on anything unless it, we we just kept getting it wrong and we wow. would take more. But uh, it was between one and two takes on everything. If we felt like wow. we got it right in one take, we were just going to keep going. Um, nice. So, so that's why we, we kept it as, as tight and fast as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. And how many um, – uh, so now two – how many – did you have one single camera or uh, – Yeah, one camera, uh, Sony FS7. Okay. And we had uh, like two, uh, two lights. All right. Basically, and we, and I had given my DP notes as far as like the way the look of the film. I gave him a lot of image image notes and stuff, and I wanted it to have a, a noir look. So we didn't need a lot of lights for a noir look. Yeah, so uh, you just need a couple of lights because you can have harsh shadows. What were what were your what were your setups like then? If you're doing two lights, you basically uh, when when we do things like that, it's all right. I've only got two or three lights. How much are we really going to change them? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll use I'll use like two two lights to light the entire room, and then a smaller one just for like fill lights, and then we just move around the set. How 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 right. is your setups like that? How did that work out? Well, we tried to do um, as much natural light as well Absolutely. as possible. So, if there was if it was daytime shoots and we had a lot of windows, we would just yeah just use. There was sometimes there was no no lights at all. There was times where there were certain scenes that I wanted to have a Suspiria kind of coloring mm-hmm. okay. to those cool. lights. Very and, nice. so, and so with with those, we um, use colored gels and and we would do like. We would do probably two lights to fill the room, and then we'd do one light to change. You know, that's a close-up light to kind of give a different, uh, uh, you know, a different accent color 
But then we would do things like we didn't have enough to fill some rooms because they were so big. And my DP just took a colored gel, cut it smaller, and he taped it to the top, to the, onto his camera uh, <laughs> over the lens. And then we That's would do cool. accent lights. And uh, now you could do that in post, but I think there's something to try. We tried to do as little. We're trying to do as little oh, in post absolutely. as possible, as far as absolutely. Yeah, we as far like as to do things goes. in camera as much. As yeah, possible. I even I even go through before we start shooting. Um, I go through. Uh, um, Oh man, the word escapes me. The color uh, profile. Yeah, I use color profiles in my camera where it's almost a finished look on set, so I can look in the camera and say, "Well, this is what it's going to look like," and then it's just minor correction and you know contrast and brightness that's done in post. Very, very little, very little post coloring. Right. I, I really like having a final look on set, like this is what it's going to look like. Period. I, I know a lot of people yeah. aren't crazy about that because they like to have that freedom, but. In my opinion, I feel like, well, it's part of my vision. This is the way I want it to look. And if the colors and everything aren't really working, well, maybe we need to change the setup for the scene or maybe we just shoot it a little bit differently. And that's the type of thing I feel like you don't you, you won't have that type of freedom hmm. when you're in post. Like we already shot it. Oh, damn, I right. wish we had this because that would have looked really nice considering right. how we edited it. So it sounds like you kind of went that route as well. No, it's all well, this stuff. Yeah, out of exactly. The... Especially because you can tell when things are done in post. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Sometimes I, th- I, I think you can. I think you can a lot yeah. of the time. Now, were all these like yeah. lights and everything? Was this part of your DP's kit? Like the can- yeah, he, camera and his lights and yes, everything? Yes, exactly. Yeah, he had everything. Okay. Which was which was great to connect up with a DP that had all the, all that I needed. You know, because I mean, originally I was gonna like buy all the equipment and I was going to do everything myself. Right. And, uh, and then it was just like, there's no way I could do all this. And so to find a DP that was on board, loved the movie, wanted to do this, saw my vision was really like a miracle. And his brother had the, <laughs> had the sound kit, I'm assuming, or he had the sound kit. His brother ran. He also had his sound kit. His brother, uh, just, just helped. Okay. You nice. know, uh, and the, the, the sound was, I, I don't know off the top of my head what it is, but it's it's kind of a lower end what we used because that's all we had. Mm-hmm. But was it just like a little? Was it just like a little recorder and a boom? Right, exactly. But I just can't remember the name of what he had um, because I'm not tech. I'm not a technical person. But at I'm all, not either. So, um, <laughs> but um, but now going to editing, like the sound is great. We've we've done very little ADR really not much at all because we're getting the sound right and of course we have my editor is is a wizard he's been really like been able to like say like the sound doesn't work in one shot but we have sound in another that works in another shot Hmm. but the the shot with the bad sound is the better shot he'll take the sound from the good shot and edit it and just get it to where it it matches up with the lips and it matches up and it's like wow this it looks great (laughs) and so you know, we're able. To, we've been able to do that uh, because for he was quite on a few set, little things here right? and there. Right, your editor was. was on set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so he was exactly. actually able to which see which was great what you to have doing. an editor on set because because he was through all he's been through all the meetings. He's he's had all the notes the whole time, so he's got a a, a great vision of to what what the movie even's going to be like. You know, so. Yeah, and he was—he probably was able. He knew what he was getting into from like the get-go, then, which is really, really absolutely. Helpful. He didn't have to—he didn't have to play catch-up. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah, for sure. Um, now 
You don't have to give us numbers or anything. I'm just kind of curious. Was the DP and his crew, no did you pay them or was it a back end kind of thing or it was just kind of the, he loved the project and got behind it entirely? Yeah, we're working. Uh, I worked on deals with, with all these guys, a lot of back end deals and things like that. But pretty much everybody was voluntary or volunteer on, on the movie. Okay. Um, uh, so most of the expenses just went to the expenses of making the movie. This is all basically all of our first time making a feature length film. Gotcha. So, so it's know, an opportunity. It's, just, it's a step up opportunity wise, career wise. It's it's showing, you know, it's something exactly. for the real and the resume. Exactly. So I'm guessing your guy was probably he was probably a camera operator of some sort. And he was taking his first role as DP, or was he a DP before on, like, shorts? He's done a lot of drone work. Um, okay. That's mainly what he's done in the industry. And he's done a lot of, like, documentary work. Okay. Uh, All right. As a DP doing documentaries. Gotcha. So he's and stepping into narrative. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I, I have a technical question there. I don't know. If, uh, I don't know how. Uh, what, what, what did he shoot on? Do you know what the camera oh, was? Yeah, Sony FS7. Nice. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it's a 4K. I can give you. Let's see. I'll tell you what the what the primes were here. Hold on, real quick. Oh, he's got info. Can, uh, with Sigma Art Primes. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, I mean the movie, like his cinematography is like freaking gorgeous yeah oh yeah know? from the oh, trailer yeah. everything so. looks nice it's crisp it's clean it's uh, you know very smooth the colors motion. are really beautiful yeah. yes yes everything looks great from yeah. what i can tell in the trailer so yeah thank you yeah i'm very happy i mean i think that you know because of daniel's cinematography this movie will be taken seriously and a lot of people like you know the main thing everybody says is sound which we got great oh, sound yeah. but i think I think for me, when I'm watching a trailer, a lot of times I'll watch a trailer on my cell phone. Maybe the sound's turned down or whatever, and if it looks like shit, I'm not even yeah. gonna keep watching it. Well, I think that's I think know? that's a side effect of the new the new generation, the new media, it and everything. That everybody watches things on cell phones, but as far as yes. as far as sound uh, goes, I think I think the sound is more important for your finished product rather than for your it trailer. Is. Yeah, for um, sure. For your for for distributors. For uh, yes. especially film festivals, because if you get bad sound, they don't care how good yes. your movie is. The film festival is not yes. going to play something because the audience no, is just going to so sit through it and just. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen. We just released a new. Uh, we just released a scene from the movie. Oh, the part one on, with the uh, the tarot cards. That was cool. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And and you can hear the sound quality. Yeah. We just. I can't believe how good we got. It really sounds great. Nice. So. So I'm curious, yeah, so anyway. your, uh, your DP has, was, usually works as a drone. Did you actually use the drone at all? We did. If you look in the trailer, there's a one shot of the beach right at the beginning. I that thought was so. a drone shot. Yeah, and we did a couple drones, but in, in the end, we were going to do a lot more drones, uh, but we just ran out of time, so we ended up just trying to go as fast as we could with things that we wanted to do drones for, but we just ran out of time. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well. Now, mostly because uh, I'm sure some some people may be curious, uh, people who've never worked with a drone before. Um, what is it like with? Uh, I don't know how many shots or things you did with the drone specifically, but what uh, did you need to do any scenes um, that you did with the drone that you needed sound for? What What's that like? No. What, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, we didn't we didn't do any shots that we needed sound with the drones. We just those were more atmospheric shots. Okay. That we were using for drones that would have music over it. So there was no sound. Okay. And also we tried to keep the drones to a minimum. Once we sat once I sat down with with the D, my DP, we decided that this film really wasn't a drone sort of film. And I think right. mainly because we were trying to do things that no one else was doing hmm. as far as in, in independent film right now. Yeah. And right now drone work is like it's all very over the place. in. <laughs> yeah. It's very in. And also like like um kind of that documentary sort of like shaky camera sort of, found feel, footage feel. Kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and also like the like long shots and maybe just shots of like a coffee cup or <laughs> shots of just you know, like a bird on a tree, like just this shit to like, you know, um, pad out a movie. We, we wanted to take all that, anything that new filmmakers are doing. We wanted to look at, we wanted to look at like old filmmakers and what they were doing. And, and that way it feels fresh. Uh, so did you, you have that works? Yeah. It's funny how that works. Yeah. You find techniques yeah. from 30 years ago, 40 years ago that now seem like, Oh man, what is this? <laughs> you know, you kind of have to right. take that into account that a lot of young a lot of young, uh, even forget even filmmakers, people just watching movies, uh, they they don't watch older films anymore. Mm. You know, yeah, so it's almost like don't. you can use that to your advantage. Is well, this is something they did a lot in the seventies. How many now all those movies in the seventies are being remade now, yeah. and they're being done in a newer in the style. New style. Yeah, so you can take that old style, do it now, and it feels. Like something refreshing. Like, oh, this is so different. Yeah. Yeah. We actually saw at a film festival recently, we saw um, this film called Get My Gun. Um, and it actually right. references, you You dig it. So if you, when it comes out, check it out. But it has the whole ending yeah. is from Miss 45. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, the nice. whole last 10 minutes is a straight Miss 45 uh, tribute. Reference and tribute. The yeah. whole thing. I mean, she's oh, even the, the the main actress. They even uh, the last scenes take place on Halloween, and right. she's even dressed as a nun. Yep. And <laughs> right. when she, yeah, nice. and, and I mean, uh, not to really spoil too much, but I mean, it comes. I mean, it really, it's the finale of the movie, so yeah. there's got to be some sort of death. So you literally right. have shots of a nun with a shotgun. Yep. You know? <laughs> right. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it was That's like awesome. wow. Yeah. We did a, a party scene that was just going to be a normal party scene, and then I was like, you know what? Make it we got to do a, a we got to do a, a costume scene, a nice. party scene, because because <laughs> I love Miss Forty Five so much. So and and there's a lot without spoiling anything for my movie. There's a lot of like nun imagery okay. in this movie, and there's kind of like it's kind of pivotal to the plot, at least at towards the end of the movie about a nun, hmm. and so. Um, and so, you know, so that was all kind of influenced by Miss Forty Five. Very cool as well. And you see, in our in our so. in our first feature, we actually did a, we did a Halloween costume party, and we actually made the shower curtain from the Karate Kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just somebody somebody in the Halloween party was a shower, just dressed as a shower. Like I don't know if anybody's going to get it or not, That's but awesome. I'm like 
Yeah, I was like, it's, it's it cracks silly, us up. <laughs> it was like the silliest costume in any movie I could ever think of, and it was, and the fact that they made it such a big part of yes. of Karate Kid in that scene. Right. I said, let's just have it's somebody so sitting in the background of the party, and it's a shower curtain walking around. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so I totally hear what you're saying. Sometimes she's like, you know what? We have to do a costume. We have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's now, awesome. Did, now, did you have any moving kind of shots or did you use like uh, any, what am I looking for? Steadicam. Steadicam shots or even, what's the other one? With the Gimbals? No. What? Yeah. I don't we know. Basically, we basically only did. Um, Dolly is the word uh, I'm looking for. Right. We did we did one slider shot. Okay. Just one. And then everything else was either handheld or it was um it was on sticks, just on a tripod. Right. And so and then some of the handheld stuff we were then uh you know, smoothing out in post so it doesn't look so shaky and things like that. Hmm. Uh some parts were keeping shaking because awesome. it, it needs it that's the beauty but, of 4k uh, especially because you know you're you know that there's totally. a 90 percent chance it's never really going to be done in 4k you're going to see it in hd so that be oh, yeah. that ability to crop it down and st- and stabilize it so so smoothly from 4k to hd yeah. is it's absolutely beautiful you can you can tell that we just well, basically to 4K. yeah <laughs> we're basically adding we're adding this down to, to 1080p yeah, yeah. so what it, it gives us the ability to, there's a lot of shots that I had in the storyboards that were supposed to be on sliders. And then once we got on set with the time crunch that we had, it was just not feasible for us to set up sliders for all these shots. So what we ended up doing is just shoot them on sticks and then we're just sliding in post. Nice. We're just doing push-ins in post. And it looks great, you know. Nice. Nice. So keeping with that in the editing then, um, well, number one, what are you editing on? Uh, Premiere. All right. All right. Now, I don't, and, I, I, and the full I don't Adobe really, suite. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. See, I don't work, I don't work in Premiere at all. So I'm not totally familiar with, with what some of their things are, but as far as that, um, like what I found when it comes to cropping in and panning and things like that, sometimes it seems a little too smooth. So, um, yes, you know, there's this. There's this one thing with um, Premiere that he, there's this thing called Easy In and Easy Out okay. that you use, and it creates kind of like maybe a little bit of slower motion on the on the front and back end of your push-ins and push-outs, okay. and so it doesn't feel so mechanical, and uh, it feels a little bit more like you're actually physically doing it with, with maybe your camera, and so... Um, and so it's weird. It just it looks fine. Like it looks totally fine. And nice. I know it. It would be the first time I sat sat down with Joseph to edit. Uh, he did the first one, and I was like, "Oh, that feels a little weird." And then he did the easy in, easy out on on the on the push in, and all of a sudden it 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 fixed it, and it looked natural. So nice. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So I work. I've worked with. Uh, uh, final final cut so oh, okay. like yeah premiere's a totally new dog for me too yeah i i edit in uh sony vegas so premiere like i open nice. up premiere and i look at it like what am i look i don't even know what i'm looking at anymore you know? right uh right. i i've worked a, i haven't really worked with final cut but I, I i took an editing class on it and i found final cut to be so similar to vegas 
you know, because I was considering nice. at one point switching over to Final Cut. Uh, I mean, because then that brings in, oh, you got to get a new computer, a new, you know, everything becomes a whole uh, yeah. new workflow. But I'm like, yeah. Vegas is so was so similar in my to, in my opinion. I said, well, what's the point then? Yeah, you know, right. So, uh, right. hey, you know, you work yeah, with, totally. what, with what works for you. Yeah, well, you know, the great thing about Premiere is that yeah, Joseph can go into, you know, Adobe, any of the Adobe programs mm-hmm. with the film and then, like, fix things and then put it back into Premiere. Yeah. Uh, and it's just such a great workflow to have that whole Adobe suite to use. What's the, what's the workflow like going from, um, did you do any of this in Final Cut or is it all in Premiere? Uh, pretty much all in Premiere. I did a little animation sequence in Final Cut to use in the film, the one little scene. But yeah, pretty much all in Premiere. Because there's one scene where I'm trying to add like little moments that are just weird little imagery. And uh, and so I love the, um, I can't remember the name of the artist, but he's a stop motion animator from way back in like the 1910s, 1920s. Wow. And uh, I'm kinda, I kind of did something similar to what he did, uh, okay. which is all like triangles and squares and you know, geometric shapes. And, huh. and so we used that in a scene for the movie. And I did that and just gave it to him. But yeah, nice. it's pretty much all in Premiere. Okay, so basically, so you did that in Final Cut, and then it would render out, and he would just drop it in. So there, is that that's how you did that? Right. Exactly. Okay, so there was no like actual export from one timeline into another timeline. No. And th- okay. Yeah. So you kept no. it simple. Good. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, totally. I know a lot of people who go start in Final Cut, and then they move it into Premiere and 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 After Effects and everything like that. So I was wondering if you did any of that, but. Now, keep it nice and simple. That sounds crazy, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. That, that's really where a lot of my issue is coming in right now because I work with Vegas. Um, now, it, are you do you premiere on, on, on Apple as well? Uh, no, he uses... Um, Windows, okay. You know, PC, yeah. Yeah, so it makes sense to keep it all in there. I mean, uh, yeah. Vegas doesn't do... Vegas doesn't have any sort of ProRes, and that's, that's where I'm at right now, yeah. is in my deliverables is getting all my right. deliverables into ProRes and I can't do it at all in Vegas yeah. and I don't have Premiere. So I'm like, I have to find other ways to get it to somebody who either has a full version of Premiere or is running Apple. So that's, yeah. that's, that's been all my pain in the All the technical stuff just drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not very technical. Even though I use, you know, like I draw everything digitally, me as an artist. Um, yeah, I do. I use GIMP, which is like a free Photoshop program, basically, and um, and like, but that's the only one of the only programs I know. I know that and Final Cut, and like, I don't. I'm not a technical wizard at all, you know. So, so yeah. Okay, so then, um, how are you going to do? I mean, I know you're like have what like a quarter left of editing to do, right? Um, how are you going to be doing uh, color correction and your sound mixes? Is how's that going to go? Yeah. <laughs> my DP uh, is doing all the color correction, and um, my editor is doing the sound mixing, but we are looking for someone just to go through all the dialogue and take out all the noise, because 90 minutes of doing the, of going through all that, my editor's like, is, he's like, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. we got to find somebody that will just do that, and he'll do all the rest. Uh, so right now we're on the hunt to find somebody just to do that. Okay, and I'm assuming your editor's also probably got some back-end kind of deal. 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm just For trying sure. to figure out, you know, kind of how you, how you brought everybody on. I'm not trying to judge or yeah. anything. It's- no, no, no. This is good because this, it's a lesson for everyone else as well, you know, for sure. Okay, and then the next step is music. Music. So um, it's kind of a collaborative effort between, like, I do, I'm doing some of the music because I, cause I'm a musician and I've been making music for, I don't know, 20 years or some shit. And so... Um, so and I do a lot of experimental weird shit. So um, so I'm recording some. I have a one of our friends, one of my editor's friends, Casey Contrary, is doing a couple pieces or a few a few pieces for the movie. And then I have a bunch of my musician friends that I've just known over the years that have contributed songs. And then to kind of fill in all the blanks, um, I found this website called freemusicarchive.org. Okay. And they basically have, they have like attribution and um, royalty in like public domain music that are just user submitted. So, um, and the thing with that website that I found better than a lot of those royalty free music websites is that it's actually creative. Like a lot of those websites feel like it's all bad serial commercials. Like they're they're just really cheesy, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so, oh, free yeah, music archive is actually interesting music that like people are doing. Like they actually have like quartets, and they have oh, wow. people doing yeah, people doing weird electronic music, and people doing like people doing experimental stuff, and just things that are more interesting. That I I don't want to do. I don't want to put anything in there that sounds generic, and so. Uh, because I want this movie just to stand out in every form. Like I try to make the dialogue unique. I try to make the plot unique. Oh yeah. And the editing unique and the, you know, like every layer I want, I don't want people to go, I've heard that somewhere. Oh yeah. I do that all the time. When we go to film festivals, I totally, I'm sitting there like, Oh God, Oh, here comes the Incompetech. Like I hear it. (laughs) Right. You know, exactly. Not that there's anything wrong with the guy's music, but like everybody uses it and I've and, and yes and over years of doing it you just you recognize it you know and and I'll say it in the middle like oh god he used like two seconds of it but I recognize it and we're good especially <laughs> when we're sitting there watching watching the credits like here it comes here it comes incompetech.com there you go <laughs> oh so that's you know? the one tip that you may not know that we've shared on this podcast before but I want to reiterate Again, for you, sure. and, uh, for a lot you of and for any other listener, is any yes, of these please. things that require you to list their website in your credits is an issue. Right. Yeah. Distributors, okay. a lot of distributors will not take it if there's a website in not your credits. Not even distributors. Uh, Amazon. Amazon won't Amazon, take it. Amazon, Netflix, That's things like that. If you have a website listed in your credits, they consider that advertisement. So they won't accept it for yeah. that alone. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, you know, very good to know. So yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah. people that a lot of people do. So I mean, I've used Incompetech as well uh, for some stuff that for background, for little you know little bits here and there. And I try to find the stuff that like nobody's used this. You know, something that's and and it's right. very very minimal. And uh, it's one of those things where, yes, it's free in a lot of people, but you know something, there is a pay option. Mm-hmm. And if you, for someone like him, for like Incompetech, if you pay for it, you don't have to credit right. him anymore. Yeah. So I'll right. give I'll just pay the twenty bucks to keep from having to credit it, not because I don't want to give the guy credit, but simply because that's gonna screw me mm. when it comes to trying right. to sell the movie. You know, and that's this true. and this is something that I learned because our um uh our uh, our CG and color correction guy, his 
company is actually named blackshirt.net you know and it's uh. <laughs> and it's also his website and right. a lot of the time when he puts it in there people he can't put blackshirt.net in there because it's advertisement and he learned that on his own but it's too late it's already he's already registered as blackshirt.net for the name of his wow. company yeah so he's got wow. to find other creative ways he's just up oh, that's his name now it's just got to be under his name Dave Geshman that's it yeah so right that's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. something sure. that a lot of people, a lot of people um, don't know. Oh, so back to music. Um, so I'm assuming that you're going to be doing a lot of original because you want to make it so unique. I'm assuming that you're yes. going to do some original scoring on your own, most likely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we've I've kind of been scoring throughout the film while we're editing, so we've got a lot of the music already dropped into the rough cut. Like I'd probably say half the music's already done or more. So you're, so, so you're writing for the edit? Yeah, and also my editor comes from like editing music videos, and so he loves to have music already made. And so like sometimes I'll like send him like three songs and he can kind of see which one works best and then edit with that song so he can do it just on time with the music and things like yeah. that. So, okay. uh, yeah, and there's a lot, you know, like... I was looking at a ton of different movies kind of for reference, but um, I'm actually doing a lot more jazz than I expected. Once we finally sat down with the scenes, I felt like jazz was like perfect for so many of these scenes. So oh, it is. A lot, of ja- a lot of jazz and a lot of, um, a lot of like Kronos Quartet sort of weird uh, like quartet music that I'm trying mm. to do as well. We, we hired a... Uh, a cello player for one day and he just recorded a, we just recorded a whole bunch of him playing cello and then I hired a um, a flute player and she just gave me a whole bunch of fills of frills and and things like that and that was I gave her the movie Three Women and I said listen to the, the flute music in this and then do something similar and so she sent me like three minutes of just playing flute and so nice. I'm kind of dropping those into scenes and kind of mixing the flute and the cello together. And, uh, and so, wow. Yeah. So we, we kind of did that on our first one. A, a lot of our, a lot of our music is done, um, is done on keyboards, uh, right. because I really like that old, that eighties sound, you know, yeah, nice. um, yeah, totally. I'm really into that old analog sound. I mean, always, always have. So that's my yeah. thing. Uh, and, and especially, so our first one was, was we did it in an 80s slasher. It's like, well, it's gotta be all analog music. Oh, totally. And, but it's all on keyboards with the, uh, the exception of one thing that we did. Uh, one of was, I had two different musicians that worked on it. One of them actually owned a keytar. Oh, and, awesome. Yeah. yeah, and I said to him, I was like, you know what? I really don't know what I want to do with it. I don't know where I'm going to put it in. And instead of going through the whole movie, he just recorded about 40 minutes of him just messing around with it, doing all random things. And and, and he just sent me the recording of it, and I dropped it into different and, – and, and sometimes yeah. I would take little bits and chop it up and make a rhythm out of it. So we have like actual guitar playing nice. like live keto and it sounds it sounds amazing it sounds so cool <laughs> yeah totally yeah this this is movies been done very similar where it's almost like a cut and paste sort of yeah uh, music style we did there's this one scene where uh we if you know our main character is just going crazy Elysia is just going nuts and she's having to clean up this mess that she just 
made and put in a trash trash bag and um and so I found this quartet that was just doing like they were just all going crazy like the, mm. the quartet was just and uh and so then my editor dropped it in the scene and it was all a one shot scene so he um kind of took bits and pieces and rearranged it since there was no rhythm to it he could rearrange it so it would like there would be spikes in the music to where she would be picking something up and there would be a spike in the music and so we kind of cut and pasted that that music to where it fit the scene you know yeah so nice nice so that's uh, wow <laughs> yeah that's really cool yeah um what about uh uh, uh i mean this is was kind of back in production but did you do any reshoots at all did you have to go back for anything at all no we haven't we didn't do any pickups and i was really worried about that because my my main actress linnea like two weeks after we finished shooting she moved to new york and so I was oh. like, oh, shit. So, like, we're going to go in the editing room and be like, we need this shot. We need that shot. And, oh, um, man. Well, you know, the, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that helped us was having all the storyboards done. So yeah. on oh, set, yeah. we, we had a red marker. After we were done with the shot, we circled it. And so we made sure the last day of shooting that we had every shot done. And mm-hmm. so we had, every, we had every shot we needed. And then editing... There's there's certain scenes where we're like, oh, we're gonna have to be creative here, because maybe like it didn't work out as as we planned, but then it ends up making the scene sometimes better, because we're having to be creative with the editing, you know. So, gotcha. yeah. So like, there's this one scene where we did, and it's do two characters talking, and in the end, it just didn't work. Like the way we shot it, uh, it, it was just really strange, but. We had all these shots that we did on a beach that were, weren't part of this weren't part of the shot list, but we were just next to a beach, so we decided to shoot on the beach for a little while. Wow. Yeah, and, sure, uh, you're there. You got the location. Do it. Why not? Right. And so, <laughs> Production and value. so we took we took some of the voiceover from that scene and we used it with the beach scenes, and so you're not actually seeing the characters, and uh, and it, it was like way better than we could have expected, you know. So nice. Nice. Oh man, I had just had a question in my head, and it just like fell right out. Oh uh, <laughs> damn. Oh man. Oh yeah, Wait, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say because you said um, the editing, like with, with ours, uh, I found that some of our takes, like I really liked certain takes, and I couldn't decide between a couple of them, and that actually caused me to change the way I edited the entire film. Yeah, and, right. and I ended up doing a lot of frenetic shots, like very, like I, I guess Oliver Stone style, right. where you would yeah. have the scene, and then it would flip to black and white, and you would see the line, the next line or two done again, but an entirely different nice. aspect of it. You know, like like he would he'd say the line kind of subdued, and you know, but then we had one take where he did it angrily, and I would cut back and forth, and that really changed the way I edited. Uh, is uh, do you have anything like that? Like as you said, you went through it and you saw how this didn't work or that didn't work. Was there anything that that really bled into other scenes when it came to editing? Oh my gosh, aspect? I I think so. Well, I think a couple of things. We first of all, we only did one or two takes for most scenes, so yeah. we're like there was definitely a lot of like, well, this is what we got. Um, <laughs> but at, at the same time, sometimes you know you take too many takes and it 
makes makes it that much longer in the editing room just trying to decide on what you're going to use yeah i i think i average we average about seven or eight takes for right every every scene or every setup rather and and i tend to use i think i i think i end up using somewhere between the third third and fifth take is usually what i think is the best in my opinion but i mean yeah it depends on your actors i i definitely think that um you know from for films going forward, I'm going to do three to four takes at least. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, just with Safety. the way this this worked out, it was just what we what we could do with, with the money yeah, we of had. Course. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, but but having said all that, there was some we we've been trying to like be very creative editing. We had a couple scenes where basically we shot it. We did two takes, and it was all like one long shot. There was this one scene where our main characters like like running through her house with a knife and it's just, mm-hmm. a, one it's take. just a one take and uh my dp's just running around with her and it's very frantic and she's just like she's hearing voices she's screaming like you know where, where are, are you? you and you know like you know you know, you know oh shit oh shit you know she's freaking out yeah. and <laughs> um and so we did two takes where it was she we followed her pretty much the same way both times and so once we got to editing, I said, let's try to layer those takes on top of each other oh, to cool. where we're just cutting back and forth. Nice. And, um, and I remember my, uh, Joseph, my editor, was like, hey, that's just going to look like bad editing, I think. I said, let's just try it. And we, once we did it, he was in love with it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, has a, it gave it a more frantic feel because sometimes she's got the knife in a different position. Maybe she's slightly different in the room. Or she's had as a different expression. We're kind of cutting back and forth, and it it feels very weird. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and it, it gives so it a whole you put the character the POV whole, sort of. You're like put into her mind. Yeah. yeah. I think I think a big part of that, and, I, and I'm sure this is what you noticed too. That comes down to sound. You can have a really yes. frenetic, chaotic edit as long as your sound is clean and clear through it and you're not going yes. you know and you're not going back and forth yes. between perspective of the microphone as long as the sound oh my is gosh, yeah yeah your the audience can follow it nice and nice and smoothly well that's that's like number 1 as far as sound is there there will be none of that like hissing change and none of, like that is that's just number 1 you know for us like that will not happen so, you know, um, and then like there was one scene where our main character is walking through uh, a music store and we felt and she's supposed to be really going out of her mind at this point towards the end of the movie. She's really like having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And the and the camera was just a little too shaky. So we were like, all right, well, let's put smooth motion on this and try to like, you know, warp stabilize this scene. And the stabilizer made it like super warpy. And we're like, whoa, this is actually perfect. So like even though even though it was a mistake, it felt like the whole scene is like in a fun house. Nice. You know, like that that fun house mirror. Yeah. It was like, well, let's just go with this. Good little happy it accident. It makes this scene perfect. Yeah, exactly. So Nice. Nice. Now see, I don't think we, we actually asked this in the beginning, but um how many actors did you have? Uh twelve. I think we had twelve actors total. Okay, and how many like and main then, and the, and then probably about six or seven extras. Okay. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I was just I was. Just oh, so, okay. Oh. So you had twelve, uh, twelve 
and then six. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, probably, actually, most of those extras were were just like crew members. Mm. Like that, we had the PA and the AD and the you somebody to sit in the background know, and walk by. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Just yeah. fill a fill a so, spot, hot spot in the background somewhere. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in nice. a couple scenes, just sitting, you know, sitting there or whatever. So. Yeah, we've done that. I have not. I have not. Me personally, no. Your hands have been in My hand, yes. yes. My hand has been in, in all of our movies somewhere. You know, like nice. I need I need somebody to pick up a knife. Like I had to do a, um, I, had, I needed an extra shot. We did a shower scene. I needed an extra shot of just the knife swinging past the camera. So I put the glove on and did that, you know? Right. And another one, I needed right. somebody to pick up the, like, oh, damn, we missed a shot of her. Like, like she bends down to pick up the weapon, but we don't actually have, like, like I guess, I, I think for that specifically, it was just the, the chop going back from her to his reaction. The shots just didn't look right next to each other. So I said, you know, I just need something in the middle. And I just, all right. I picked. I, I had to pick it up myself, and I'm like, suddenly, we went from this actress who's all of, what well, she's all five of feet like tall. five <laughs> feet tall and, and 130 pounds, and my hand is the one picking up the the knife. So, <laughs> so so you know what? That nice. black and white editing actually really really helped because I was able to I was able to really crank the contrast and mess nice. with the look of it. Where you don't notice that it's right. my hand, especially because I've got a tattoo on my finger. <laughs> so you really don't notice. Nice. You don't see it at all unless you know it. It's like, oh, you just mostly the knife and a little bit of finger is grabbing it. Yeah, somebody's you know? going to watch right. our movie one day, somebody who listens to this podcast. Like, oh, just my like, God. Like, what is it? Seriously? And they're just going to laugh at everything that we did and talked about. Yeah, but I mean, that, goes, that goes to creative editing. It's true. Yes, Totally. Totally, yeah. We have some scenes in black and white just to change the mood for a second. You know, um, we're doing a lot of like uh, psychedelic imagery as well. So we, we're doing like liquid light show, like old school liquid light show stuff, mm. like throughout the film. Nice. And so you know, just trying to trying to make it as much eye candy with the budget. As so we can. I saw I saw a wolf in your trailer. Was that a stock yeah, footage that, or? <laughs> That was stock footage. Yeah, that was stock footage from a guy off of uh, archive.org right? who just was submitting wolf videos that he takes all the time. Oh, I was going to so. say, so you put 4,000 towards towards food, 4,000 towards wrangling a wolf, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right. how is this wolf exactly. in this $8,000? What happened here? Yeah, the, Somebody went the, to the uh, zoo. <laughs> That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, the, the dolphin and the wolf are both just stock footage that I found. That's cool. So are those like dream sequences? Yeah. How did you work those in? Yeah, so there's, there's probably going to end up being like five or six little dream sequences here and okay. there. And there's scenes like she, um, there's a pre TV preacher, uh, like talking to her on the television mm -hmm. and she goes and puts her hands on the TV and she has this, then she goes into this vision type of experience. And, uh, there's a scene where she takes ayahuasca. Nice. And she goes into <laughs> like a, a hallucinogenic experience Oh. And um, there's a scene. There's a scene where she like gets too drunk and passes out and goes into another world for a little while at a party. 
And so, and there's yeah, and then there's things that are just weird images that we're kind of throwing in there. I got to be honest, yeah. I want to see this myself. This yeah. like uh, this is it's <laughs> this totally is it's totally the kind of thing I was going for with with our new movie too. It's very uh, yeah, I was gonna that, say we're very similar. That altered states kind of nice. that very Ken Russell yes mind trip. Ken Russell yes uh, altered states like, is definitely like, Ken Russell's it is an influence. Oh, totally. altered states is like one of my favorite movie, like top five of all time. It's. I, yeah. I'm obsessive about that movie. So yeah, our our new yeah, feature, totally. uh, Theta States, it's it's um it deals with uh, insomnia, brain waves, and a dream demon. Yeah. So we have a lot oh, of the similar yeah. <laughs> yeah similar things. I, I have I think we have yeah. four dream sequences, and the entire end of the movie is yeah. in the nightmare world. Yeah. The whole finale of it. So. Yeah, so like when when she goes when uh, my main character like gets drunk and passes out, she goes into this like black room that we used the studio we found a studio that we where they were gracious to give us a really great deal on renting it out for four hours we shot a shitload of shots in that four hours but we uh uh, basically she walks into this black room like this basically black abyss Mm. and there's these there's these five red hooded like white masked demons that that kind of crowd around her and you know kind of like try to like grabber and and so um it's very you know very strange very like uh giallo kind of esque mm-hmm. yeah kind of italian horror kind of feel to it but uh, ken russell like Lair the white worm love that movie gothic is one of oh, my favorites yeah. too so yeah he's great and he does so such great psychedelic imagery that i feel like is like on the cusp of really making a comeback it and is i feel oh. like Absolutely. I feel like there's people that are now being influenced by it, and I want to kind of be ahead of that, that the zeitgeist coming in. I want to be ahead of that, you know, so. We're in the same boat here. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's move into one, one final thing then. Um, you're, uh, as we, we mentioned off air, um, you're doing a lot of doing a lot of show a lot of a lot of different podcasts and you're talking you're really right. like like how you came to like you reached out to me and you said you wanted to you'd yes. like to be on the show uh it seems like you're doing that a lot how, i'm assuming that's part of your obviously it's a great it's a great advertising strategy what else are you working toward as far as promoting the film getting it into festivals and things like that how do you how are you getting the word out yeah, so but it's kind of like in stages. Right now, since we're still editing, um, I'm trying to do filmmaking podcasts. Okay. Because, you know, because uh, I can't really do movie review podcasts yeah. or anything like that because right. I, don't, I don't have the full film to show people. Um, so once the film is finally finished editing, I can start sending it out to movie review reviewer uh podcasts and, and YouTube channels and things like that and also kind of get interviews that way as people watch the film and they're like more like movie fan sites and mm. things like that um, and then uh, once we're done editing of course going to start submitting to festivals and I'm going to try to do one or two festivals uh, submit to one or two festivals a week for over the course of over the course of about the next year okay so try to do like 50 60 70 festivals. And of course, I know I'm probably only going to get it at like ten or twenty, at the most. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's, I just I know that's the way it is, you know. So just whatever. 
and that's yes. fine. It's funny how some people take that crap personally. It's like, give me a break. Like, yeah. Yeah. Your, your, fe- your movie's not going to be right for every festival, of course. Yeah, you know, this, uh, so. most festivals get anywhere from 500 to 1,000 entries, you know? Right, exactly. No, yeah. I'm curious. Now, this $8,000 budget that you have, now, do you have anything right. left over for the marketing and the film festival entries? Or is this going to be <laughs> extra? A new budget, yeah. Is this a new budget? No, that'll be, that'll be a new budget. Okay. So that's a whole other thing. So, you know, I'm sure the movie's going to end up with marketing and budget's going to end up probably being twelve, yeah, mm-hmm. 13000 probably, you know, after everything. Of course, travel expenses and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like considering doing a Kickstarter just for like the doing finishing funds, uh, sort of to, yeah to kind of like to you know yeah to shave off cost of of entries and and also like some post-production so I'm kind of thinking about that also it's just a great way to like get more exposure mm-hmm. with Kickstarter but, you know, absolutely being a comic book illustrator before doing this I've done about five Kickstarters for different oh, projects wow. that are comic books so, like, I've kind of already, like, Aware. have experience you, you at least. You know how that works. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'm thinking about it. But I'm, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that just yet or not. So. Uh, I think I think that's our whole, that's, that's. Well, I figure we'd do a nice little wrap up. Yeah. In that, you know, well, how yeah. do you make an $8,000 feature film? So, clearly, you know, you did have a minimal crew. You mm-hmm. kept your crew down, yes. but you hired, instead of buying your equipment, you hired somebody with the equipment that, with their own equipment. Exactly. We didn't, we didn't rent any equipment. No, the, the most expenses we had equipment wise was like, I bought gels off of Amazon and things like that. Right. Little <laughs> things. I bought some lenses off of eBay that were to create kaleidoscope effects. You yeah, know? been there. They were like $20. Oh yeah, done yeah. that. Done that. I, used I to, got to him I, this really cool lens called the Lens Baby. Oh man, that was so cool. And uh, oh. it, what does it have? Like a, it's a, it's a, it's a shift, uh, shifting focal, shifting focal lens. So um, it it looks like two lenses connected at the right. butts by a by a, a, a by like a little rotating ball. You know, wow. So it only fo- it only focuses on one portion of the of the frame, and you can actually move, like physically m- rotate the entire lens around. You know, without moving the nice. camera. So instead of so so like I can have the camera totally locked down, and the lens right. itself tilt it up or tilt it down and tilt it side to side and everything. Oh, wow. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah, so I was able to actually take the lens itself and follow the actors by keeping their face in the center of the um, of the focal point, you know? Yeah. And it actually warps yeah. the edges of the screener. It does like this blurry, dreamy kind yeah, of Yeah, oh, it's excellent for dream it. sequences, oh, yeah. especially in low light because with low light, it's really... You get a very very limited spot spot of yeah. of focus. So like sometimes like right. just so like like sometimes just the actor's eye will be in focus, and everything else just slowly gets farther out as it gets closer to the edges. Yeah, and that was only like twenty nice. forty bucks. It was like nothing. no, it wasn't. Was no, it? the lens right. baby was like three hundred. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. I wouldn't spend three hundred dollars on the lens. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> I don't love you that much. All right, <laughs> but well, you uh, know, I had. I had like talked to the DP and the crew, and I said I wanted to do these uh, kaleidoscope effects through through some of this uh, psychedelic sequences, like old school '60s kaleidoscope yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Oh, we can do that in post." And 
And I was like, you know, I'd really like to try to do it in camera. And so I just dug around on eBay until I found these Japanese lenses that were the only ones that people there were still even making them. And, um, and they were like 20 bucks. And I had to buy a few reducers off of Amazon for like yeah. another 20 bucks. So I ended up being like 40 bucks for this lens that created all these kaleidoscope effects that just looked so nice and buttery and natural. It was, it was great. Oh, yeah. And then, then you're doing it on set, and it's like you can play with it live. It's like, you know, I didn't yeah. think about this, but, oh, man, this looks great. Let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah, and I think it saves yeah. you money in post when you're bringing oh, it, somebody on to, it to saves do you such money. It saves you so much time. So much time, too. You're right. You know, because it's really imposed. Yeah. Time is money. I yeah. mean, it's you're you're paying for somebody's time most of the time. Yeah. So, um, are there any other um, any other places like again? Because we're focusing focusing on this eight thousand dollar feature. Any other places that your money right. that 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 some of the money went to that maybe you weren't expecting? Oh yeah, there was like incidentals. There was some like like things got broken that I had to pay for. <laughs> you know things. You know things went missing that I had to rebuy. You know, oh God! I can tell you how many, like how many memory cards I've lost on set somewhere. <laughs> Thankfully, empty. <Yeah>. But <laughs> so there was probably about five hundred dollars worth of incidentals. Okay, that ended up happening over the course of, of the filming. So there's about a thousand dollars in, um, in locations. Okay, okay, and about let's see, about a thousand dollars worth of props and wardrobe. All right. Okay. And let's see, what else would do we have? You're about $6,500 now, worth. yeah, because you have 4000 for food. Yeah. $1,000 yep. for uh, wardrobes and props, 1000 for locations. locations. $500 for incidentals. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we're let's at, see, man, I don't have my, I don't have all that in front of me too. Let's yeah, see well. if I wrote this down somewhere. <laughs> what other things would there be? Because I'm trying to think now. Yeah, so what, um, what is that? It's about you know, sixty-five. Then having to pay. What about your makeup no, people? Okay, so I, I had to pay some people, um, and like some of uh, some of the some of the cast and crew, there was some payments here and there. Yeah, right. and that was probably that was probably another seven hundred, hmm? somewhere around there. Like travel expenses and, then, and stuff like that, right? Um, there was no hotel expenses. Thank okay. God for that. Yeah. Um, but there were, there were some things that I had to pay people for. So it was probably about 700 for that. Um, uh, like, like I couldn't find a free, um, makeup artist. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, things like that. Also some of this, some of the, like special effects stuff, things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh it, and then like having, having to pay our model that, that was painted all in black. Okay. Uh, had to pay her some money. Um, where are we at right now? Seven hundred. So that's like seventy-two hundred. I think. Yeah. You tell yeah. the producer. I'm like, on top of this. <laughs> yeah, she's the I budgeter. Know, right? um, for real. Let's see. And then the rest, you know, I have no idea. There was definitely another, another whatever eight hundred dollars or whatever that. I'm just not I'm yeah, late right in there now somewhere. On the top yeah, of my head. I, most of the time for me it's like I gave somebody gas money at some point or you know somebody stayed later than they than you expected. Yeah. So you know what? Here, take a cab and just go. Thank you for staying, you know. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I had to pay like a couple cab rides, had to pay for, for gas a couple times. Mm -hmm. It all added up to eight thousand. I should have that in front of me, but I don't. 
So you have like, so you actually did a, like, like actual accounting. You kept track of it all and everything. Like I know a lot of people who, they just start p- paying out. Like, oh, they, they pull just out start, a credit card and like, yeah, that's they just the start throwing it. money out. Like, oh man, I just had to pay for it. And then I'm in the end, it's it's like they're wondering where all their money went. It's like, dude, didn't you take? Didn't you keep track of it? And mm-hmm. how do you not know? Right. You know, I mean, off the top of your head is that's that's different. You don't know where you don't remember where it all went, but you have it put down somewhere mm-hmm. that you know where yeah, it all went. Yeah, I did went. write it. Yeah. I did write it down. Yeah, and also like we had $8,000 in savings and the last day literally I spent my last dollar. <laughs> and, and it was like, okay, oh, I'm I glad see. we're oh, done. Wow. wow, so it's not even like you kept track of it all. Like, it's all okay, in like one account. This is literally all I have <laughs> and when it hits 8,000 whether we're done or not, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, so now I'm going to throw out the challenge here live on the air now to Timothy and Ulrich. If you're curious about, uh, there's another podcast that uh, I've been on, and we're we're pretty friendly with them, but it's the Making Movies is Hard podcast. And uh, yes, I just I just emailed them today. Actually, (laughs) oh, they're great. They're They're great. great. They're great guys. Um, But yeah, they're one of those ones that that are struggling to make a feature um, because they they just can't seem to wrap their heads around how to make their scripts for. In our opinion, they don't they don't like what we say. In our opinion, they're professionals. They're working professionals. They're working professionals. Uh, Yeah, they are. Yeah, he's he's a you know he he does commercials professionally, and Ulrich is I guess freelance professional. Yeah. You know, so their big issue is how do we get our budget down if we're working with all professionals mm-hmm. that volunteer is really not an option for many of yeah. them because this is their job. Yeah. They can't, you know, working volunteering on somebody's set, well, that's $500 I could make somewhere else. Mm-hmm. How do I volunteer cool. my time? You know? I think that that you have to find people that have that are still trying to break into the industry. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, those are the people that you need to find for that one, for only one time. Because after that, you're going to have to start paying them. So oh, you only absolutely. get that you one get shot. One. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Favors yeah. run out real fast. <laughs> yeah, totally. And also, you have to write your script around the locations you have that mm-hmm. you can get for free or extremely cheap. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that's just huge. If Because location budget could just blow you out of the water. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's totally. Yeah. yeah, we we got lucky enough where we didn't actually we didn't pay for any of our locations for the new one. Yeah. Well, we we had to pay for one location on our first, but it was a video store. Yeah. And um, the, when you're shooting an '80s project, it's like to oh, have a video yeah, store. Yeah. The production value is. Yeah, we found a video store that was closing down, and uh, wow. so, that's so awesome. yeah, so as soon as they closed, like they he shut down the place. Uh, we went in like a month later. We filled the place up with our own VHS collection and everything. Yeah. And nice. uh, even the guy was willing to he was willing to let us use the place for free. But uh, unfortunately, he ended up having some medical issues, so he couldn't do it. So we actually had to pay one of his employees to, to open the, st- the day. Yeah. So we had to pay for his employee to, to be there I did for that the day. On, on a few locations, I had to pay an employee to stay there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but still, that's way cheaper than you can oh, get yeah. oh, renting totally. a location. Oh, no, totally. he also so. inqu- he also requ- uh, required insurance, so then we had to figure that uh, whole thing right. out. Yeah, but Fractured Atlas is really great. I've said this a hundred times on the podcast, and I'll continue to say it. Yeah, Fractured Atlas is a great arts organization where you can join in as a member, and it's like a monthly fee to be a member. But you can get all of your insurance through there, including the nice. typical one million dollar film policy. Yeah. Um, nice. And New York because is a it's a collective, million dollar. Yeah, but New York, it's it's a million dollar <laughs> required. Um, but because it's an artist collective, 
they negotiate with that many number of artists. So they wow, get cheaper awesome. insurance because it's a higher number of clientele. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's really you great. Know, I was just going to say, you know, another thing that, that I think is, is worth doing is if you like, if you are in Los Angeles, it's going to be ridiculous to try to make a movie oh, yeah. like for cheap. Oh, I see you that know, all the time. <laughs> try to find, try to find a location that's a couple hours outside of where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's maybe Los Angeles. See, like, like I living in Slido, which is a, like an hour outside or f- 45 minutes outside New Orleans. I can find all these locations from people that this is a suburb town. Yeah. So they're like, oh, you want to make a movie? Yeah, this would be great. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, It's not like going to a big city where they're like, you want to make a movie, you got to get permits, you got to you know, rent this or this much. You know, it's just people are nicer. They're like so excited that you're making a movie. Yeah, I think the closer you and get so, to a city, the more expensive it becomes simply because people yeah. are like, well, you know what? You know how much money I'm paying per month to be in this building in the first right. place? You're going to give right, me something. Exactly. To, you know, well, we say that, but it's weird. We're we're in Queens, New York. Well, but how, and, and, and most right. of the time it's like, I guess New York still has that underground vibe. Well, yes and no, to because it. how often have we shot in Manhattan? We've never really shot in Manhattan. We shot in Manhattan right. for other people's projects. Yeah. But we've never shot any of our no, own we stuff. Shoot Brooklyn, that, Queens. And that's the city. Yeah. That's what I say. And 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 the truth is we shoot in Queens, but we shoot in the park. Yeah. And we shoot in the streets and in our friends' apartments. Yeah. But when we want real location. Yeah. yeah but when we want like a real specific location, <laughs> we where go do we go? To Jersey. <laughs> we go to Jersey or we go to Long Island. Yeah. We get farther yes, from the exactly. city, you know? So I, I especially yeah. that people who are work, people who live in the middle of nowhere, you can get locations for nothing. And people are just yep. oh, this is so cool. My movies my my house is gonna be in a movie. This is amazing. And they're willing to do that. Yeah. But I think you. we're also fortunate in that just like you, we have relationships with, with the art community. Yeah. You know, so when yes. you have friends that are artists and you have a circle of people to draw on their different talents, I think that really, oh, yeah. Yeah, really, can, really helps. We can, get, <laughs> we can get cover art, which would normally cost, you know, yeah. $2,000 for somebody to get this artist to do. Yeah. I've known him for years. He'll do it for me for a fraction of that. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, like I said, me being an artist and illustrator, I did the cover art for the poster oh, and then oh I do um, as much as like, I can uh, absolutely <laughs> yeah and you know like I have a friend that I grew up with that is like a fine art a photographer mm. and so he did a whole bunch of photos that we u- were using as lobby cards and they look freaking amazing so did he do your on set too did he you did. have an on set he did some behind the scenes on set nice. shots cool. as well very good and uh so. I'm assuming one of our big things is that we have a group of filmmakers that we barter and trade with. So if they help us out on this, we help them out on something else. Did you have any kind of deal like that with anybody? That was a lot. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. There was a lot of that. So what are you, what are you, what are you paying (laughs) off now? (laughs) I'm going to have a lot of like storyboards and drawings. Yeah. Yeah. Things that I, that I owe people at this point, you know, so because of my, the illustrator background, So, but that would really yeah. help out with your Kickstarter too. Is that you have a lot to yeah. draw on from there? Hmm? That you yeah, totally. I already perks. have kind of like, kind of, 
I don't want to say fan base because I don't think I have a fan base, but at least people that like me and know me. That, that's a fan base. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It feels weird it saying does. that. Tim, but, Timothy, uh, Timothy made, me, made me say that I was a professional on the air, so I'm going to make you say that you have a fan base on the air. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, you know, like I already have that comic, comics and illustrator world, like, fan base and so that I can draw on for this as well well you could also so. do like a perk where they could actually get your storyboards totally yeah yeah for sure that's, that's pretty really cool. cool yeah yep 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 so barter, barter and trade back end deals um, yes finding people who are looking for an opportunity to break into your style of filmmaking be it narrative be it horror be it whatever it was uh, find people who have their own equipment and find people who have their own it. equipment yeah um, you know, right around your locations yeah right around your locations use your all, every resource you have available mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yeah, so, oh, like for instance my uh, the all the ward or a lot of the wardrobe came from I have a friend from high school who owns a, a antique clothing store oh wow and nice. so so we were able to go over there and rent for a very nice price mm-hmm. and we were able to just rent a bunch of her clothes have the actors come in and actually try on clothes there mm-hmm. and so uh, so we had we were, it was great because we have a very like kind of uh, 70s kind of feel to a lot of the wardrobe mm. and because and we kind of wanted that almost that. we were kind of going for like almost like a Wes Anderson sort of wardrobe vibe for a lot of a lot of the stuff I noticed that the the dress that she runs she there's this one scene I think it's in the trailer yeah that she runs she's running and she's running like in a little almost Rosemary's baby kind of uh, baby yeah. doll dress that was cool yeah yeah that was like kind of that's kind of like the like the 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 last quarter of the movie is her in this dress and she ran so much and she has to do so much like running and tumbling and, <laughs> and, and like she gets tied up and all this shit. And that, that dress is like, like the last day of shooting, it's like ripped in one part <laughs> and it's, and it smells God awful, you know? And you, cause you only have one. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think we've I think we've covered pretty much all of it. Okay, so. uh, let's see if you have any last words of advice for the first-time filmmaker, somebody who wants to make their first movie. What would be your advice beyond what we kind of talked about already? I think just just doing it. You know, like sometimes you can prepare so much that you never do anything, or you can always just be trying to like uh, find investors and try to get the perfect amount of, of money and have just the right camera equipment, all that stuff. You know what? Just get out there and, and make your movie with what you have and as best you can. Mm. And that, then you'll learn from that. And you'll make another movie that will be better and you'll keep learning from each movie. Mm-hmm. Your first movie is probably going to not be great, yeah. but it'll be a learning lesson. <laughs> yeah, you know, having said that, I'm like blown away by how good, really, how good this movie yeah. is turning out. Like, I was not going in with high expectations because mm-hmm. I was going to try to get the equipment myself and all that. But, but like, once I kind of got the word out, I kind of got the word out on Facebook and stuff that I'm making this movie. I got so much. Like, that's how I got my DP was I posted on Facebook. Oh wow! He was just a he was just a friend of mine mm. on Facebook. That I never met in person. Okay, and uh, oh, that's cool. And so, and so, 
it it ended up the movie just kept getting better and better by the time we shot it went from this little bitty like so micro budget it was never going to be shown anywhere maybe just just on youtube (laughs) to this movie that's like oh shit this movie could sell wow wow you know so that, awesome. that goes to because we just did recently one of our episodes. We were talking about how when you just got the inkling of the idea, shut up about it. Don't yes, don't don't throw it in people's faces. You keep talking about it. Next thing you know, people are sick of hearing about it. Two years from now, right. the movie still isn't done, and everybody's like, "How long?" Because most people don't realize how long <laughs> it really takes to make a movie. So true. You know, so the fact that throwing it out there as soon as you started, it's like, okay, come on, man. How you know? But you are proof positive that hey, you could throw it out there. You, you might find somebody who can make who can bring your movie to the next level by going out there. So it's yeah. just proof that there is no right or wrong way. It's all about your way and what works for you. Yeah, I mean, and you had said that you you're you're one of those. I just want to get this done as quickly as possible yeah. kind of people. So yeah. that really works towards your, I guess, personality. Yeah. 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 For sure. We, for we sure. like coming out of left fields. We like just kind yeah. of getting something done under like, the radar. Yeah, we've been and then doing nothing for stepping months out like, and months. What's yeah. up? Look at this. Oh, hey, by the way, we did a feature over the last six months. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Where did, where did this happened? come from? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, we went from doing, we went, we did one short. The next thing we did, we did three shorts yeah. in, a, in a row. In two weeks. We in, shot three short films in two weeks' time. <laughs> yeah. So wow. it's, yeah, so it's like, well, wow. while we're, we're, we're doing this feature in festivals, and yeah. now we've got three or four other short films also doing festivals. People are like, well, you guys are everywhere. And that's kind of how we like to work. Yeah. You know, just right. doing right. things very quietly and secretive. The next thing you know, we got a bunch of movies out there. But as I said, it just, it just goes to show there's no right or wrong no. way. No. Yeah, for, for me, I just jump in the deep end of things mm. without without really thinking and then I figure out what I'm doing along the way <laughs> yeah. and that's basically I wrote the script and then I posted on Facebook I'm like hey I wrote a script I want to make this movie and then people started like saying hey well, I want to help you yeah and um and then I kind of gathered a team from there and and I was just kind of already in full steam ahead mode hmm? basically like if nobody was going to help me I was going to make this movie regardless so you know so. nice yeah. nice so, uh, all right. Well, let us. Let, uh, I think that. Well, that's again for the fourth time. That's pretty much everything. Unless <laughs> yes, you have. I'm enough. done. I'm unless done with the question. You're done. All right. <laughs> so nice. Uh, nice. let everybody know where where, where to look for it. Uh, and whatever you got to say, find you everything. Let us know. Tell us. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you can go to thegodinsidemyear.com, and you can watch the trailer. And we're going to be posting updates. I'm going to post the new clip that we just. Uh, we just posted on Vimeo just the other day. I'm going to have that on the website soon, and you can see the movie poster and all the all the um, you know all the artwork from the movie and things like that. You can also go to Facebook and look up the God Inside My Ear, and we have a Facebook fan page, and you can see, of course, all that. But you can also see like um, screenshots from from every day of shooting that we posted, and and uh, you can look me up online. I'm at Joe Badon, J O E. B-A-D-O-N dot blogspot dot com. That's my art blog. Um, and then, of course, you can find me on Facebook as well, uh, just Joe Badon. Uh, and then if you go on YouTube, you can look up God Inside My Ear or God Inside My Ear trailer. 
because once you put your movie on IMDb, all of a sudden there's a million YouTube uh, mm. videos oh, yeah. that are saying, mm -hmm. got inside my ear, full movie. Oh, and it's yeah. not that. Like it's not <laughs> even done yet. No. I'm not even edited. How's the full movie up there? Oh, totally. Right. And it's and it's like pictures of pictures of ears, you know, which is pretty funny. <laughs> but um, look up "God Inside My Ear" trailer on YouTube. You can check the trailer out there as well. Oh yeah, while we were still shooting, there were bookmark torrent pages for our feature already. Yeah. Like yes. torrents, like a page for the torrent where this is where it's going to be when the when it's available. It's like, are you kidding me? I'm still editing the movie, and you're already planning on stealing it from me. <laughs> My favorite Fuck. is when they they, yes. they stole the first like five or ten minutes of our film. And so they put that in advance of something, and then they actually put another movie after it. So you oh, start watching hilarious. our movie, and then all of a sudden it switches to something else. <sighs> all over YouTube, that's it's awesome. like, oh my god, I can't. Wait, you, the the favorite thing I've found so far is I found this one website that that had a, a post about the God inside my ear and where you could watch it. But it was a it was a website all about how to make your own uh, vaginas. <laughs> what? So what? <laughs> like. Uh, how to make like synthetic vaginas? That's an so I thought that was pretty God inside you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just working on yeah, the, the sequel for I did you. Look That's at what's them, happening. They're pretty interesting. There's a Mrs. Pringles where you make a vagina out of a Pringles can that looks pretty pretty fancy. So wow. Well, wow. that, that that escalated quickly. <laughs> it just goes to show you we've been, we've been talking to UK filmmakers, a lot of them, just meeting them at film festivals, and they have a thing with dildos out there. So apparently, in the United States, we are we're taking it one step further to the synthetic vagina. Wow. Yeah, it's great. I'm really excited that we said vagina on the air for the the first time. Vagina. That made a me vagina. happy. Vagina. Yeah. We said it, guys. It happened. All right. Uh, we're that's gonna do it this week for us. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> That's hey, it, was, it, it was great talking with you guys. Oh, Same here. It was really Thank great. you for coming on. Thank you and sharing your absolutely. insights. Thank you. This was great. Uh, yes, absolutely. All right. Uh, so that's going to do it this week at Filmmaking Sucks. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. I think now it's Apple Podcasts now. I keep saying iTunes, but like now they're now it's called Apple, Apple Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. It's like a whole new yeah. app that I'm not privy to because I'm not an Apple person. Well, apparently, according to Making Movies is Hard Now, there's multiple pages for each country. So you oh, can yes. actually have yeah. iTunes reviews in Spain. Oh, yeah, in yeah. iTunes, Spain, yeah. iTunes, When you go Canada. into iTunes, you have to choose know. the country you yeah. want to read reviews. And so it's getting whatever. more complicated. Yeah. So uh, subscribe to us on wherever you're wherever you're listening to us. Give us a five star rating and a review. You you can email us at filmmakingsucks at gmail.com with your comments, questions, concerns, hate mail, whatever you whatever you like. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I'm going to throw out a funny hashtag and just give a little love to our last conversation, which is going to be hashtag God inside me, not there. So. <laughs> not there. Not there. That's a long hashtag. <laughs> it's a really long hashtag. Nice. I do ridiculous hashtags nice. every week, and that's going to be my new favorite one, I think. God inside me, not there. <laughs> well, it was between that or hashtag Pringles vagina. And it just I like Pringles like vagina. <laughs> Pringles okay. vagina. Okay, yeah. that's the winner. We'll go with hashtag Pringles sure vagina. I'm pretty sure he's going to have his own hashtag, the God inside me. Yeah, I don't want to screw so up your hashtag. Let's not screw up his. Let's go with hashtag Pringles, Pringles vagina. vagina. Yeah, that's a great name for a bad band, too. Pringles vagina. Sounds great. Cool. All right. So thank you all for listening. Uh, come back next week for us. Uh, get out there, everybody, and make good films. Good luck and good night. <laughs>